Father, we thank you once again for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that this is the day that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we will be glad in it. And we thank you for the word that you have for us today. It's a word in season, a word that will minister life, a word that will set us free, that will take us to another level in the name of Jesus. I thank you, my God, that you are the God who begins small, but you don't end up small because the kingdom of God is like a seed. And I thank you that even the ideas, the thoughts, the dreams that we have in our hearts today, Lord, they may, they may seem small, they may sound like insignificant, but Lord, as we put our faith, oh God, as we allow you to be God in those situations, Lord, you will show forth your glory, you will show forth your goodness in the name of Jesus. We receive revelation, we receive understanding of the word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to thank God for you guys for coming. Uh, I know it's getting a bit winter, it's getting a bit cold, but uh, we need life. We need the sun. Amen. And we, I'm going to give you the sun. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, I just like to thank God for the testimonies that we have had because it is about the simplicity of the gospel. I always want to help us understand that religion has complicated the, the gospel. It has complicated our relationship with God. It's supposed to be so simple that even the, the least educated is able to connect. Even children are able to connect. But at the end of the day, we've been given loads and loads and loads of things which are very difficult to keep, which are impossible to keep, actually. And so in, in our effort to, to, to bring the vision to pass, our vision is to reveal the simplicity and the power of the gospel truth for your daily use. I hope you guys who have been coming here, you, 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 you have an opportunity to use what you learn on, on, on Sundays because it is that simple. It is that simple. And as I was looking at this, when God was giving me this vision, uh, when God gave me this vision, I began to, to figure out how can this become a reality? And one thing that he showed me was that uh, the problem is with our minds, the way we think, because we have been so used to thinking thinking in one, one way, to switch to think the other way, it is virtually impossible. Because even religion will, will, will not allow you to do that. The system will not allow you to do that. Your experiences will not allow you to do that. And you will struggle. And so we have people now who are quoting scriptures here and there, but things are not happening and they are wondering, why is it not happening in my life the way it should be? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, 23 verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so the Lord laid upon me what I call uh, perspectives or seven statements that if we make them our second nature, victory is inevitable. Victory will just come naturally because these seven statements will help us to change the way we think and the way we see life. And I can, I, can, I can openly say that these seven, when they become yes, without any contradiction, without any doubt, you'll, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be prospering. You will be victorious in everyday life. And, and, and we are going to be focusing on one of them today. The first one is the word of God is accurate, it is credible, and it is absolute. If you are doubting the word of God, then you will not get as much out of the word as you would if you believed. And the good thing about these perspectives or mind views or paradigm shift, whatever you may like to call them, we, we don't impose it on people. But as you keep coming, you'll gradually grow into it and it will become just a reality in you. The second one is God loves me unconditionally. We need to be so convinced that it doesn't matter how dark the night is. God loves me unconditionally. Because if you are doubting God's love, then who is going to help? The third one is, I'm under grace and not under law. Romans chapter 6 verse 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under law but under grace. The converse is true. If you are struggling with sin, the chances are you are under law and not under grace. Because grace is the power that broke the power of sin. Number four, Jesus Christ is Lord. I know as 
Christians, as believers, we say Jesus is Lord. But when it comes to your problem, you're trying to crack it yourself. If Jesus is Lord, hand over your problem to Jesus and enjoy the rest of God. Number five, God is good at all times. Not at some times, all the time. And that's a loaded statement, and we will be unloading it as we move on. Number six, I'm blessed. I already have it. I'm not going to be blessed. I am blessed. And when you know that you are blessed, that will change the way you think. That will change the way you, you, you live life. And then lastly, which uh, we are going to look at is, I am not only human or alone, but I live the life of Christ. We have many Christians who emphasize more their humanity than their divinity. Their being in Christ Jesus. They emphasize their being in this world more than their being in Christ. And yet Paul says, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. That's Galatians 2.20. And so we are going to be looking at that. And I will start by asking a question. No, no, no offense to, 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 to the ladies. But I just want to pose a question here. What is probably the lady's best friend, wherever they are, even in the handbags right now, maybe, if perchance we, we, we have an opportunity to open, we will find there's something in them. What is this that ladies will always like to carry over there? Not cell phone. No. Let's forget about the cell phone. Anybody want to give a, a guess? Before the makeup, yes, makeup, yes, but uh, there's something that they always want. Yes, it is the mirror. Is that true? <laughs> it is the mirror. Do you know that if the ladies are looking for a house or wherever, or even they are coming to church, do you know one place they want to go and see? is the bathroom. And when they go to the bathroom, they want to see, is there a mirror? The bigger the mirror, the more attractive the church. But this is in the bathroom. Is that true? I have been driving. I see you go to a traffic light and you stop. If there are several cars and there are ladies driving, guess what? They are busy finishing up their makeup using the rear view mirror. Because a mirror is so important. Why is it we may think that, oh, there's something wrong with women. There's nothing wrong with women because the mirror <laughs> gives you, shows you your image, isn't it? It shows your image because when you look in the mirror and you really feel like everything is okay, the hair is nicely set, everything is okay, then you don't worry about anything, isn't it? Even your confidence level throughout the day it is because you know that everything is okay. But if you kind of feel that, you know, one of the braids is a bit out, <laughs> you quickly look for a bathroom. Is that so, ladies? Because you want to go and fix it. Why? Because our confidence, it depends on the image that we keep in our minds. Now, have you noticed that much as you like to look in the mirror, and we need the mirror, and please use the mirror. Even men, please use the mirror. Hallelujah. You have never seen yourself. Did you know that? You don't know yourself. You believe what you see in the mirror, and you believe that is you. Have you thought about it? And yet you are... Everyday life, it depends because you know that I am like this. How do you know? Because I saw it in the mirror and that is my image. And so today I'm going to talk about your image in Christ Jesus. Many Christians have not seen their image in Christ Jesus. And so they struggle every day of their lives. Because they are trying to be like this one. They are trying to be like that one. They are trying to be like the other. I mean, it's just like if you go in the bathroom and there's a big picture 
of Elvis Presley. You look in the mirror, but you keep Elvis Presley's image in your mind. You're not gonna, it's not gonna work like that, isn't it? You need to see who you are by looking in the mirror. So this is going to be a two-part series today. We are going to look at when God redefines you. Because God redefined you as a child of God. And you need to know how God has redefined you. Because when you keep that image in your mind, your confidence level will shoot through the roof. Just as a physical mirror, it makes you feel excited. And in fact, when you are, when you are nicely dressed and you know everything is alright, you actually look forward to people seeing you. Even some other people, there are certain people that are saying, today I hope I'll meet so-and-so. Huh? Today, I, I hope I'll meet so-and-so. Why? Because you looked in the mirror and you really felt like, yeah, this is the time. <laughs> then there are other times you begin to say, no, I don't want to see anybody. Why? Because what you see in the mirror, it is not right. But your identity in Christ is so wonderful. So we're going to look at when God redefines you. Now, uh, uh, we have... Uh, the physical mirror and many of us we just think that that is the only mirror that we have but did you know that the Bible is a mirror did you know that the Bible is a mirror because we have got a physical mirror and we have a spiritual mirror but we need both but how many of you when you look in the Bible you are able to see your image because if you don't see your image when you read the Bible, then you are struggling and you are heading for certain. James chapter 1 verses 23 to 25 tells us, he says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. James is saying, Looking in the word of God is the same as looking in the mirror. Then verse 25 says, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That's powerful. And John 6 verse 63, it also tells us, this was Jesus. It says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus is saying the word of God is not just an ordinary word. It is spirit and it is life. And James is saying the word of God is a mirror, which means when you look in the word of God, you'll be able to see your spiritual image and you'll be able to get the life that goes with the word of God in Jesus' name. And so some of you may be saying, oh, so, amen, I thought I had just one image. I go in the bathroom mirror, I see myself. How many images do I have? Because you want to fix all the images, eh? Because you might be focusing on one image and then the other image is not looking so nice and people are looking at this other image and you're wondering, what is going on? The Bible is very clear. It tells us how many images you have. Can we give a guess? How many images do you think you have? It's not one, of course, because I, I've discounted that already. Right? Things have got two images. Jeez. Three? I hope somebody's not going to say four, because we started with one, and we've got two, and now we've got three, and we've got four. <laughs> okay. It's not one, two, three. Four, five? Right, you've got three images. Did you know that? You've got three images. And you're busy fixing one image that you see on the mirror, the physical mirror. But there are two images that you find from the mirror, the spiritual mirror, which is the word of God. Here is the scripture that gives you the images. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. This was Paul. He was talking to the Thessalonians. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, not partially, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. This is so profound. So your spirit has got an image. Your soul has got an image. And your body has got an image. The physical body is what you see in the physical mirror. But when you want to see your spiritual, your, 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 your spiritual image, you go in the word of God. When you want to see your soulish image, you go in the word of God. And then you find that. And so you will actually find that because the Bible tells us that you are a spirit. You don't have a spirit. I know this is, has been taught, but I believe it was taught wrong. You don't have a spirit because you are a spirit. You are created in the image of God, and God is a spirit. So you came from God. You are a spirit. You don't have a spirit. We say you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. Hallelujah. You are a piece of God, so you are. A masterpiece in Jesus' name. And you have a soul and you live in a body. This is so important because it will help you answer some of the questions and the struggles that you are facing right now. Now, what is the spirit? We are going to deal with that even much more. The spirit man, the spirit is the one that is conscious of God. It is aware of God. It connects with the spirit world. The spirit, spirit to spirit, right? The soul, it is a way of self. Every time you say, don't do that to me, it is the soul that is speaking. <laughs> the soul is made up of a number of things, but we can say it is made up of the mind. The mind is the soul. When you are speaking your mind, it is the soul that is speaking. It is not your spirit. It is made up of the will. It's made up of your desires. It's made up of your emotions and your imaginations. That is the soul. That is not the spirit at all. It is the soul. The spirit is conscious of God. The soul is conscious of self. And the body is conscious of the world. The body are your five senses. What you touch, what you smell, what you feel, what you see, and what you hear. Now here is the mystery that many people don't get. It. It's only your spirit that is able to communicate with God. Your soul cannot communicate with God on its own. That's why you cannot reason out God. Because that's soulish. That's why you cannot feel God, so to speak. Because that is of the world. And these three, when they are in agreement now, you have peace. And for these three to be in unity and in agreement, you have to be connected to God. Because it's only God who can live three in one consistently and without contradiction. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Without a connection with God, you find that the three will be rebellious. That's why when you look in the mirror, you hate your body, you hate your hair, you, ha you hate how you feel, you hate your voice, you hate this. Why? Because the spirit is fighting the soul, and the soul is fighting the body, and the body is fighting the spirit. It's all confusion. But when you come to Jesus Christ, you have peace. Hallelujah. I love this. Because the life that is in God will begin to flow into your life. And so the peace that is in God will begin to flow into your life. And the unity that is in God will begin to flow into your life. And now you are at peace. I'm sure some of you have experienced it. Before you, you gave your life to Jesus, it was all over the place. But now you begin to realize, ah, actually I'm not that bad after all. <laughs> Hallelujah. A little smile and everything is okay in the name of Jesus. Now, uh, we had an answer that, you know, you've got two images. That is the common understanding of many believers. Because you either have got your body or you've got your spirit. Because many Christians don't understand that the heart is not one thing. The heart is made up of the spirit and the soul. Because 
unfortunately you can't see my 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 images here this lovely because the heart is on the spirit is on the inside and then the soul is on the outside and that is the heart and then the body becomes the tent it becomes the the house that where everything is living in and so the spirit and the soul are two separate things maybe we'll talk about this we'll discuss about this but one scripture that can help us to understand this is hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 the word of god is alive it is sharper than a two a double-edged sword isn't it it will pierce to the separating of what soul and spirit and bone and marrow which means it's only the word of god that can separate the soul and the spirit that's why the word of god it will go where nobody can get and it will do what nobody can do in your life so if you've got issues in your soul now that are not in agreement with your spirit what you need is the word of god what you need is the word of god because only the word of God is able to get there. Now, there are two images that come from the word of God, from the Bible, should I say. Now, many of us, we are aware of one, but we don't really know what it is, and we are ignorant of the other. The one that we are aware of, it is the soul. Because the soul is about your mind, it's about your emotions, and so on and so forth. And how do you know about it? Because when you read the Ten Commandments, you start feeling bad. That is the image of the soul. Because the image, the, the word, what the word of God does now is, it will tell you what you are not. That you are failing here. You are failing that because the self is trying to say, I can reach to God on myself. I can reach to God on my own. But then the word of God says, okay, look in the mirror. Then you look in the mirror and say, oh, I've messed up this, I've messed up that, I've messed up the other. And then you start feeling bad. That is the image of the soul. And many Christians, we are settling there and we are now busy trying to fix that image because as, as we fix our hair with the in the physical mirror, we think when we go into the word of God and we start doing things and start doing that thing, that image will improve. And I'm sure many of us, we have tried for years and it's not working. It's not working. Why? Because you are using spiritual solutions or rather physical solutions to solve a spiritual problem. What you need is not to focus on that image. Why? Because there is another image that is complete, that is perfect, and that is your born-again spirit. Your soul is work in progress. Your mind is work in progress. But your spirit, it is finished work. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that uh, he who has begun a good work in you, he is faithful to complete it where did he begin it he began it when he solved your sin problem and you became spiritually perfect in god Amen. and so i just want us to focus on the spirit the born again spirit and that is your perfect image and that is what is identical with god you see because the bible tells us in second uh, corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 we know it eh? If any man be in Christ is a new creation, all things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. But I want to encourage you, start from verse 16. Because when you start from verse 16, like I always say that, you know, one of the best ways to read and understand the word of God, don't just pick a scripture and run with it. Read the context. Verse 16 says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have seen Christ according to the flesh, yet we no longer know him, thus no longer. In other words, we don't talk about Jesus Christ in a manger. We don't talk about Jesus. We talk about the Christ who is risen, who is not in the flesh. And Paul is saying, do not consider one another according to the flesh. Let's pack that one there. But I want to challenge you, don't consider yourself according to the flesh. Because if you consider yourself according to the flesh, you are saying what Jesus did at the cross does not count. Or it didn't go very far. So you are still a sinner saved by grace. Isn't it? You are not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but you are now a saint saved by grace. Are we together? 
It may sound like it's semantics, but it makes all the difference because life and death are in the power of the tongue. What you say with your mouth is what will happen because that's what you believe. So he says, we don't consider one another according to the flesh. How, do you consider yourself according to the flesh or according to the spirit? Because if you are just saying, oh, I'm all this, I'm all that, guess what? It's now the soul that is speaking and not the spirit. Well, largely because we don't know what has happened in the spirit. Now, verse 17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. I'm sure you've read this scripture and you begin to say, ha, this thing is hopeless. I'm still thinking all those wicked thoughts. I'm still worrying about this. And yet I've given my life to Jesus. Where is this Jesus? Where is this new life? Things still remain the same. If you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, you'll be confused. But when you know that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body, and the new thing that has happened it is in the spirit man. It's not in the soul and it's not in the body. When you know this now, the devil will not win over you all the time. Because you mess up now and the devil says, ah, you know, this Jesus thing is not working. You are just as, as you have been. You are not saved. You, are, you see, why? Because your soul has messed up. Because your body has messed up. But he, you forget that the spirit is what is the new creation. Your spirit is the new creation. And so because your spirit is a new creation now, it cannot be messed around with all things that is happening. So you need to understand that what is born again, it is the spirit. The soul is not saved. But it will get saved with time. How is the soul saved? The soul is saved by the renewing of the mind. It is saved as you believe the word of God. Then the soul, the way we think, our emotions now, will change and begin to line up with the word of God. And it is a process. That is the work that is in progress, and it is a work that will not be finished until Jesus comes. So it's very, very important. Now, what has happened in the spirit, we cannot sense it. We cannot reason it because it's in a different dimension. The only thing that we can do concerning what happens in the spirit is to believe what the word says. Because remember, the word is a spiritual mirror. It will show you what has happened in the spirit. And you're about to see what has happened in your spirit, which you didn't know. And when you know that you have it now, just like any image from a physical mirror, your confidence will just rise up. Because you need confidence before God, you need confidence before the devil, and you need confidence before people. And your spiritual image gives you confidence before God and before the devil in the name of Jesus. Your body cannot be saved. Are we together? Your body cannot be saved. That's why when we die, this corruptible body will go corrupt. When we rise up, we'll get a new spiritual incorruptible body so that it will, it will agree with our spiritual, our spirit that is already complete in Christ Jesus. So what do you do with the body? You keep it under. That's why some of you are struggling to come to church. <laughs> but you kept the body under. That's why you're here. Others, they, they failed. That's why they're still in bed right now. In other words, you don't, you don't listen to what the body says. The body is not even thinking about God. No. It's just thinking about comfort. You know, just telling, ah, today is too hot. Oh, today is too cold. Oh, you know, I'm hungry. Oh, I'm this, I'm this, I'm that. You need to discipline the body. But again, it takes the word of God. Now, here is something that is so important about spirit, soul, and body. Did you know that even in the spirit realm, there is democracy and majority rules? Did you know that? Do you know why God always rules all the time? Because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are always in agreement. They are always voting. 
So they are winning all the time. They are never losers. If one moves away, if one way to move away, then the two will, 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 will win. Now here, here is it now. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Right. Your spirit is for God because you are born again. Right? Your, your body, your flesh, is of the world because it cannot be born again. But your soul can be influenced either by the spirit of God or by the spirit of the world. So your soul, the mind now, has got the winning point. If your mind agrees with the word of God, you will do spiritual things. If your mind agrees with the body, you will do worldly things. That has nothing to do with whether if you backslidden, are you this or that and all these other terms. No. You are still a Christian. You are still a believer. You are still going to heaven. But as far as everyday life is concerned, majority rules. So all you need to do is to decide, who do you want to win? The spirit man or the flesh? And it's down to how you think and how you relate with the word of God. So here are four things as, as I draw to a conclusion. How God has redefined you. This is your spiritual image and it will bless you. Some of you it will shock you. But that's the, I'll give you scriptures. Hallelujah. Remember the word of God is true, is accurate, is credible. Here we don't preach the word of man. No. We don't, we don't quote all other people. We quote the word of God. We quote Jesus because it is, the, it is the word of truth that will set us free. Number one thing that you need to know about your spiritual image is that you are one spirit with the Lord. You are one spirit with the Lord. So in a sense, it's, it's just everyday talk that... It's true that you have the Spirit of God. But actually, when the Spirit of God came into your life, when you were born again, you became one with the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Again, I'll give you 16 context, but the actual verse is 17. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16 and 17, it says, Paul was now talking, he was talking about how... Uh, Good things and bad things cannot come together. You can't, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't be rejoicing with the, you know, evil and then you rejoice with good. And then in verse 16 he says, Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You are one spirit with him. What does this mean? The word, uh, 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 one spirit, the word, the Greek word that was transferred, translated there is heis, H-E-I-S. It means to the exclusion of none. In other words, if, if spirit, if spirit uh, was atoms, it's almost like atom for atom, molecule form. It's an irreversible reaction. You have become so one, and because it is the, you, I was a dead spirit in sin, and then comes the Holy Spirit of God, and because the, the sin was, forgive, was forgiven, that came together, it becomes like a mashed potato. You can't separate your born-again spirit with the Spirit of God. You have become one. Hallelujah. And this is where the idea of marriage comes in. That's why God hates divorce. Because marriage is a physical expression of what is the union that has happened between Jesus Christ and the body. So just as Jesus cannot divorce the church, God is saying you should not divorce your wife. You should not divorce your husband. That's why God hates divorce. But the point is that you have become one spirit. And because you have become one spirit, guess what? What is in the Holy Spirit is now in you. 
powerful. That's, that's, that's powerful. What is in the Holy Spirit is now with you. I mean, it's just like I'm one, I'm one flesh with my wife. What belongs to me, it now belongs to my wife. What belongs to my wife, it now belongs to me. So in this union now, what belonged to us was sin. That's why Jesus became sin. And now, what belongs to Jesus now, it now ours. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, here's another thing that we need to understand. When you come to Jesus Christ, you are not coming to be improved by God. You know, some people will say, ah, you know, I'm, actually I'm a very good person. It's only that from time to time I don't tell the truth, but you know, I need Jesus to just help me out on this one. No, <laughs> that's not true. It's just like if you, if you dress up and you're nicely dressed and, and so on, but you're standing in the dark, all we see is a shadow. You may have taken a shower, but you are not different from somebody who hasn't taken a shower because you're all in the dark and all we are seeing are images. We don't come to God to be improved. We come to God to be transformed. It's a transformation, it's not an improvement. That's why you need what you are going to be. You cannot compare it to anything you've experienced because it's a whole new thing now. It's a whole new thing. Now here's a take from this one. If you are one spirit with the Lord, and we know Galatians, uh, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. We've got nine of them, eh? And there is no way Holy Spirit can come into you and leave the joy and leave behind the peace and say, you need to work yourself out, then I can bring the peace, then I can bring the faith, then I can bring the perseverance. No, he came as the Holy Spirit. So in your born again spirit, you've got love, you've got joy, you've got peace, you've got self-confidence, you've got every, everything is inside you, but because you don't know it, that's why you're not releasing it. Can you, can you, can you think about it? You are all depressed. You are all miserable, but your spirit is bubbling with joy. It's bubbling with joy right now. You're so fearful, but your spirit is full of confidence. He's saying, man, let's get going. But what is happening now? Because your soul now is like a valve. It's not releasing. <laughs> it's not releasing. Because one time you are flopping this way, the other time you are flopping that way. So the life that is in the spirit cannot overflow into the physical. Why? Because it has to pass through your mind. That's why Paul says you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you may know what is the good and perfect will of God. The problem is not with God. The problem is not with spirit, your spirit. The problem is with your mind. In Jesus' name. So you have the gift of the spirit in your born again spirit. You have the fruit of the spirit in your born again spirit. You are all, it's all loaded in and it has to come out. That's why if you read, uh, there's this scripture which is also uh, misquoted. Philippians, I think it's Philippians chapter 2, chapter 4, verse 12. Eh? Wake out your salvation with fear and trembling. People think that you need to be afraid that you may lose your salvation. You need to be worried because things may happen. No, what it simply means is the salvation is inside. You need to work it out. Just as you go to the gym, you don't go to the gym to get more muscles. <laughs> Are we together? You don't go to the gym to get more muscles. You go to the gym to develop the muscles that you already have. That's right. So when you are working out your salvation, you are just exercising what you already have so that it manifests in the physical and you live a victorious life in Jesus' name. You have all that you needed. In fact, you can't wait for next week because we'll be talking about the power of identity. What you have. I'm just talking today, I'm just talking about who you are, your image. And next week, you're going to talk about what you have. And that will blow your mind in Jesus' name. Number two, when God redefines you, you are righteous and truly holy. 
I know there are a lot of Christians right now. They are trying to be righteous before God. <laughs> they are working very. Do you know? Do you know why many Christians are so frustrated? Because they are trying to be what they already are. I'll give you an example. You guys are all seated right now. If I tell you to sit down, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You see? But, but if you don't know that you're already sitting down, you will fight with that chair. I tell you. <laughs> You will fight with that chair. You will do every. You move from one place to another. You will do all this, and, and you are not sure whether you are, you are sitting down or not. Why? Because you don't know that you are already sitting down. And this is what many Christians are doing. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty-one. He, that's God, made him. That Jesus, who you know sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I'm sure we all agree that, oh, Jesus went to the cross because of my sins. And we somehow believe that God was able to take your sins from you and the sins of the world and put them on the body of Jesus and get them nailed on the cross. We somehow believe that, but we now struggle the second part of it, that God takes the righteousness of Jesus and puts it on you. If God was able to take your sins and put them on Jesus, you should be able to take Jesus' righteousness and put it on you. If you don't believe that, then don't believe the sin side of it. Then you are still in your sins. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. You can't believe that Jesus took your sins. And that same power that took your sins from you and put them on Jesus on the cross is not able to take the righteousness of God and put it on you. You see, you don't grow in righteousness. You're either righteous or you're not. That's right. Hallelujah. The Bible says, with the heart you believe, and you are made righteous. That's right. Romans chapter 10 from verse 9, 10. Holiness, you are made holy, but it now has to manifest, and it becomes part of your everyday life. But you're already holy in the name of Jesus. Why? Because I like this one, Ephesians 4, 23 to 24. Powerful scripture. This was Paul. He now says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. The new man that was created according to God was created in righteousness and holiness. So you need to put on this new man. Where do you put on this new man? In your mind, in your thinking. And when you do that now, what is in the spirit will begin to flow. I'm sure you'll agree with me that you cannot get what you don't know is yours. I mean, you just leave it there. If it's this laptop, you just leave it there. I, I don't know who's it is. Meanwhile, it's yours. It was donated. But when you know that it is yours, you now have the strength and the, to go and pick it up. That's the same thing. You already have what you need. That's why Second Peter chapter Second Peter chapter two, First Peter chapter two, Second Peter chapter two, verse one. His divine power, verse three. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. So what are we saying? You are righteous and truly holy. Now this is your born again spirit. It's not your mind. It's not your soul. It's not your body. But now you need to teach your mind to believe and say, this is our true identity. As your mind believes it now, 
it now allows the life to flow through it. It now allows the law of flow to flow. I always imagine it like, you know, it's a filter. When you've got two, you've got one that is open and you've got the other one that has got, uh, you know, splices. And, and until they align so that you, you go through, it will not work. Or if you take it as safe. If there is a disconnect, it blocks. So sometimes when you are believing God for this and this for that, and you are truly believing God, your mind aligns and life flows. But maybe when it comes to healing, you don't believe, so it closes. So it is about the mind that needs to change. Number three, we said you are one spirit with the Lord. And we said you are righteous and truly holy. Now this one, it will make you choke, or some of you will choke. Your salvation is preserved and protected. Because some people begin to say, now that you're a Christian, you need to walk right. Otherwise, God will not be pleased with you. Otherwise, God will be angry with you. Otherwise, God will be this and God will be that. Can I ask you a question? If you have got a valuable thing and you lost it at some point because some thieves broke in and stole it and you get it back, are you still going to leave it exposed? No, you will protect it. Because you love it and you treasure it. And you think that God will save you and thus leave you to be exposed to the devil so that the devil will come and take you up again. No. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 to 14. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In him also having believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory you were sealed with the holy spirit i'm sure we know here if even if it is just an ordinary letter and there is a, a stamp from the president's office or it's a royal stamp bam they leave it there accidentally. Nobody will touch it. Because the royal seal will make it so important that if you mess around with it, you are in trouble with authority. Now, when you gave your life to Jesus and you became one flesh, one spirit with the Lord, there was a stamp of authority, a seal on it. And the do you think that the devil will try to start another war with God? He can't. He will not touch your spirit because it's born again. But another example that will help you is that, uh, I don't know whether it's happening these days, it's now happening in the, in the factories. Eh? But in the olden days, uh, our mothers would prepare jam or whatever and put it in a jar. And in order to preserve it from contamination, they would put wax on it to preserve so that nothing goes in. And this is what has happened. It's, it's almost like you got saved and God put you in a, in, a, in, a, in a jar and he set the Holy Spirit on top of it. Nobody can mess about with you. Nobody can mess with you. Because you are protected by God. Now this will explain to you one of the scriptures that have been difficult. First John chapter 3 verse 9. What does First John chapter 3 verse 9 say? Can, can you please read for us? Yeah. Right. Whoever is born of God does not sin. Is that true? You know very well. That some of you are even sinning against me right now. <laughs> because you don't like what I'm saying. <laughs> but that's the word of God. And in the same letter, Paul says, uh, John says, first, I think First John chapter 1, verse, verse, around verse 7, verse 8. If you say you have no sin in your life, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. And then he goes to chapter 3, verse 9, and he says, anybody that is born of God does not sin. There is, the only way you can explain this is to understand that it is your spirit that is not involved in sin because it's preserved. 
Your soul will sin. Your body will sin. But your spirit does not participate. That's right. That's right. That's why now Hebrews 4.16 says what? Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. You are not approaching God in the flesh. No. You are not approaching God in the soul. You are approaching God in the spirit. And you can fellowship with God all time, 24-7, in the spirit. Why? Because your spirit, your born-again spirit is not participating. Which also means, I will help you here. Some of you, you are trying to feed your spirit as you read the Bible. It's like feeding God because your spirit is one body, one spirit with the Lord. You can't feed God with the word of God. What you need is to feed your mind with the word of God so that your mind agrees with your spirit. I know we say uh, spiritual growth. I think it's a misnomer. It's, spirits don't grow. Did you know that? If spirits would grow, by now God would be very old. Because God is spirit. What grows is not your spirit. What grows is your mind in understanding spiritual things. So when we say spiritual growth, we need to understand that. So for, get away from this thinking that you are feeding your spirit. Your spirit is full. Your spirit is one spirit with the Lord. Your spirit is bubbling with joy. It's bubbling with the wisdom of God. It's bubbling with the knowledge of God as we speak right now. You need to come next Sunday. You don't feed your spirit. No. You renew your mind to agree with the spirit. Your spirit is as pure, as perfect as it can be. I think it's in... Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22, 23, 24, 25, around there, where, where, the, where the, the writer is talking about the, the, the spirits of saints that have been made perfect. You see, when, when Jesus saved you, he did a complete job. Who is able to improve on what God has started? Nobody. But religion will tell you, oh, you need to work hard. You need to do this. You need to do that. They are complicated. The gospel. You just need to know who you are. Look in the mirror and you walk with confidence. You look in the mirror, you say, oh, victory there. You are going for a job interview. You say, oh, this job is mine. Amen. Hallelujah. But if you are looking at some other distorted mirrors now, you see your head disfigured and you think, oh, I need to work on this. I need to go on a fast. I need to do this. I need to do the other. You are missing the point. In Jesus' name. Number four. I'm almost done. This one will bless you. You are complete in Christ. Did you know that? Like we are saying, your spirit is complete in Christ. Your born again spirit is complete in Christ. Colossians chapter 2 verses 9 to 10. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Then verse 10. And you are complete in him. Who is the head of all principalities and powers? So there's no way I can come and say, ah, my brother, uh, something's not right with you. You know, you need to come for deliverance. You need to come for this. Oh yeah, I see there's something not right with you. Maybe it's, it's running in the family. Or whatever. Generational case. I mean, you have been translated from the bosom of your forefathers into the bosom of Abraham, where there are blessings forevermore. Amen. If there is a generational thing that's following me, it is the blessing of God. Amen. 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 Not a curse, no. Numbers 23, that false prophet, he tried to curse the children of Israel. He couldn't. And he said, oh guys, you know, these guys are blessed. And I can't curse them. Because what has been blessed cannot be cursed. Amen. Talking about this, let me, let me just, it's not in my notes, but uh, Deuteronomy 28. The first 15, 14 verses is talking about blessing. From verse 15 to verse 68, is talking about curses. Why did God give us this? 
my simple mind tells me he gave you that so that you know the difference between a blessing and a curse. There is no such thing as a blessing in disguise. Are we together? That's the devil trying to make you survive under his punishment, but he's still punishing you. There is no such thing as blessing in disguise because a blessing does not evolve. It doesn't change in nature. A curse does not change in nature. If it's a curse, it is a curse, period. It's either you are blessed or you are cursed. But because you are a child of God, you are blessed. And because you are blessed, you cannot be cursed. The only thing that can happen is the devil can play with your mind. And in your mind, you believe that you are cursed. And what you need is to cast out that thought. But how do you cast out that thought? The truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Because I can pray with you, but you see, I can't cast out your mind. You can't cast out your mind. Some of you will be brainless. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you don't cast out minds. You renew them. You still need the mind, but it needs to be renewed by the word of God. Amen. I, I love this. I like first John chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. This is John. He started in verse 14. He says, verse 1, in the, word was, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God, and the same was God in the beginning. And then he goes on to verse 14. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt in the neighborhood. That's Jesus. And verse 16 now, 17 says, and of his fullness have we all received grace we have received the fullness of Jesus. Not part of Jesus. The fullness of Jesus. But how many of us, we are caving in with fear. We are caving in with intimidation. We are caving in and we are worried. With, and yet you have got the fullness of, of the risen Christ inside you. Why? Because you are looking at the wrong mirror. I like verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. I don't know, religion doesn't quite get what this verse is saying. If you want the law, you go to Moses. But if you want grace and truth, you go to Jesus, you don't go to Moses. But if truth sets you free, so where do you go? You go to Jesus and not to Moses. But to simplify things. The one, the, one, the one example that I love, which can illustration that, that can help you is, if you look at Moses and you look at Jesus, the way they started their ministry will tell you which is which. And if you look at the first miracle that they performed, both of them, you will see the difference. Moses turned water into blood one of the, the, the ten plagues. But Jesus turned water into wine. Because the law kills. But the spirit gives life. It is that simple. But we have people that are running to the law. It kills you. It was not given so that you keep it. No, it was given so that you know that you need a savior. Go and read Galatians chapter 3. I raise my case. So what are we saying as we conclude? The last one, number five. Not only are you one spirit with the Lord, not only are you righteous and truly holy, not only is your salvation protected, but you are like Jesus. Amen. Did you know that? You are like Jesus. First John chapter 4, verse 17. I think some of you, you need, you need to send me your email. I need, you need to get this message and listen to it and listen to it 
because this is your image. I would rather you listen to this than go into the bathroom mirror because this will give you life. Hallelujah. It will take away all the pain in your life. It will take away all the sorrow in your life and you will be jumping up and down with the joy of the Lord. First John chapter 4 verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day or in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world you know the last part it is for the religious just to know that this is you are not going to be like him in heaven in this world what explanation do you need on that what other revelation do you need in this world here on campus you are like Jesus. In the lecture room, you are like Jesus. On the bus, in the, on the taxi, you are like Jesus. In this world, not in the world to come. Now, what does this mean? John 14 verse 4. He now throws that responsibility to you. Now you have looked in the mirror. What are you going to do when you move away from the mirror? John 14 verse 12. Most surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these will do because I go to the Father. Jesus went to the Father. Why are you not doing what Jesus did? Because we should do not only what Jesus did, but greater works, much more. But, but I don't want to make it life difficult for us. Let's just focus on doing what Jesus did. Ah, no, that, will cause the, that will cause the world to go upside down. If you just do what Jesus did. Do you know why we are not able to do it? Because we don't know who we are. We don't know our identity in Jesus Christ. And so my challenge to us this morning is, God is challenging us. God is provoking us. Don't live life at lower level. You are flying too low. Do you know why you are hitting uh, frustrations and uh, stumbling blocks and you are even, you are even hitting people? If a jumbo jet, which is supposed to fly at 33,000 feet, 40,000 feet above sea level, is flying at 100 feet above sea level, you will hit trees, you will hit mountains, and many Christians are busy rebuking mountains. You tell, oh yeah, mountain move in Jesus' name. What you need is to raise your altitude. You fly over that mountain and you get things done in your life. Yes, there are mountains that we need to move, but there are some that you just need to scale up. Yeah. David says, I will jump over the truth. In Jesus' name. As we pray, are you flying too low? Say, oh, so and so and is in my way. No, it's not in your way. <laughs> they belong down here. Hallelujah. You belong up there. Move. Take your altitude. They even tell you in geography, the higher it goes, the cooler it becomes. Eh? You are feeling hot because you're, it's too crowded here. Hallelujah. It's too crowded down there. You need to raise your altitude. It's cooler. Even your vision, your perspective, you're able to see life, you're able to see far, and you're able to go further in the name of Jesus. Why? Because I have taken a new altitude. If there's anything I need to, you need to take home with you is take a new altitude. Your calling is not down here. Your calling is up there. Even if you read Philippians. I press upwards, not downwards. Eh? Because your calling is not down. Your calling is not level. Your calling is up. Because you've got the image of Christ. We're going to pray. Fear through the window. Hallelujah. Look to the mirror. Look to the spiritual mirror. You are like Jesus Christ. And, and, and I like this, that you are not like Jesus when he was walking on the, sh on the shores of Galilee. No, you are like Jesus, the resurrected Christ, the exalted Christ, who is seated with Christ, who is seated with God in heaven. That's why the Bible says we are seated with him in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Don't try to be who you are already. People will tell you, oh, you need this, you need that. No, you are complete in Christ Jesus. You are complete in Christ Jesus. What you need is to say, this is me. What did Jesus do? He healed the sick. So I go and heal the sick. 
What did Jesus do? He accomplished his assignment. So I'll finish my assignment. I'll finish my degree with top classes. I'll finish my... I will be promoted because Jesus was exalted, remember. He was exalted in the final analysis. And you are destined for glory. But you need to know who you are. That's what it is when God redefines you in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. You are an awesome God. You are an amazing God. Lord, you have loved us with an everlasting love. Not only did you save us, not only did you forgive us of our sins, but you even gave us your identity, O oh God, that never again will we be lost and be robbed by the devil. But Lord, we'll walk in victory from one victory to another victory. And this morning, Lord, I want to thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, for my friends here. Lord, we are at different levels. Yes, some of these things might be struggling to understand, but I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our teacher. I pray, Lord, that you help us understand these scriptures. I pray, Lord, that as we look in the mirror, in the spiritual mirror, we begin to see who we are in Christ Jesus. We begin to do the things that Jesus did, oh God, because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I thank you, my God. I pray even for the students right now. Yes, the exams that are coming, the assignments, Lord, they, they, they need a teacher. Yes, they need a teacher, and I thank you that, Holy Spirit, you are with them in the name of Jesus. And I pray for each one of us here, my God, that Lord, we rise up to a higher level, that we raise our altitude. People are not the problem. Mountains are not the problem. Trees are not the problem. Bushes are not the problem. Yes, Lord, our problem is altitude. Our problem is altitude. That's why we are making a lot of noise. But I thank you, my God. I thank you, my God. Yes, Lord, that there's this divine elevation that is happening right now. The divine elevation that is happening right now. We have been limiting God. Oh, I can't fly this high. You were designed to fly higher. You were designed to fly higher. You were designed to do better, and you are going to do better through Christ who strengthens you in the name of Jesus. Yes, you can heal the sick. Oh, yes, you can, you can, you can raise the dead. Yes, 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 yes. You can turn your D into an A. You can turn your E into an A in the name of Jesus. Even A star in Jesus' name. You have the power. You have the authority. You have the grace. You have the identity. You have what it takes. You just say, yes, Lord, I receive. Yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I believe. And I encourage you as you review the scriptures, the image, your image will become clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer in the name of Jesus. Don't allow the mind to limit God. Don't allow experience to limit God. God is doing a new thing. That's why it is a new beginning here. It's new beginnings. It's new beginnings. It's new beginnings. It's new beginnings in the name of Jesus. The past is gone. The new has come. The past is gone. The new has come. Don't look back and begin to say, but Lord, what about this? What about the other? What about this? What about the other? What about Jesus? He did it for you. For his glory, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.